Military brass express worry about the prospect of autonomous weapons, robotic platforms that make their own decisions about when and where to shoot. My next guest says such weapons do come with practical and ethical challenges, but recommends continued development. Robert Marks directs the Walter Bradley Center for Natural and Artificial Intelligence at Discovery Institute, and he joins me now. Mr. Marks, good to have you on. Uh, It's good to be here. Thank you, Tom. So you have written that they should develop autonomous weapons. Maybe define the terms here and then talk about why it's something the military ought to pursue. Well, autonomous weapons are just weapons that are deployed and act by themselves. And it's kind of a scary term, but my goodness, we've had autonomous weapons for a long time. If you even think of the lowly landmine, it's laid out and it's autonomous. It just sits there and waits for something to happen. The fear, of course, is the use of artificial intelligence and more sophisticated technology in the development of military weapons. Because what I've heard some of the generals say at conferences is that if that thing fires and it fires, say, at civilians or friendly fire, or make some type of mistake like that, they're worried that the algorithms won't be transparent enough that they can understand why it did that, or if they shot someone like the recent Iran commander that everyone's complaining about, that they can justify the decision also based on transparency of the algorithm. Yeah, definitely. I think that there should be somebody in the loop, if at all possible, but there are places where that's simply not possible. If things get so crazy that humans don't have the ability to respond, for example, I think that AI is mandatory. I actually kind of push back from the idea of fear of autonomy. And I would actually draw the line at weapons doing what they were designed to do. And most weapons that are in use today, we have autonomous weapons actually in use today, autonomous missiles, for example, they should be relatively narrow. The problem comes in actually broad artificial intelligence or general artificial intelligence, uh, as would be the case, for example, with the self-driving car. The problem with the broad intelligence is that you get all of these unintended contingencies happening. Like with the self-driving car, a windblown plastic bag is is identified as a running deer. And it wasn't long ago that Uber's self-driving car killed a pedestrian. Both of those were software glitches. Now, the people that developed them We're developing a very broad general system. That car had to be knowledgeable about what was behind it, what was in front of it, to the right, to the left. It had to recognize stop signs. It had to recognize traffic lights and aggregate all of this into a single decision as to what to do. So it's a very general problem. And the more general the problem you have, the uh, more of these unintended contingencies occur. So that is right that we need to be careful that these unintended contingencies don't happen. But if you go to a narrow sort of artificial intelligence, and I'll give you an example with the Israeli Harpy missile that is an anti-radiation missile. And it reminds me of the old World War II movies where they used tracer bullets, and the tracer bullets were kind of cool because they let the shooter know where the bullets were going, but it was a two-edged sword because the target knew where the bullets were coming from. And the Harpy kind of works like this. It's launched, it has a predefined kill zone, and it waits until it's illuminated by radar. As soon as it's illuminated by radar, it goes down and it knows where the radar is coming from and it takes out the radar installation. Now, this is a very narrow sort of artificial intelligence. And you can see that there's that, yeah, it can go wrong, but there's a lot less that can go wrong in that narrow artificial intelligence. So again, the line should be making sure that the weapons do what they were designed to do. We're speaking with Robert Marks. He's director of the Walter Bradley Center for Natural and Artificial Intelligence. He's also professor of electrical and computer engineering at Baylor University. 
And I remember a, a movie many years ago about we accidentally launch a nuclear bomb toward Moscow, I think 30 seconds over Moscow or something. I forget the name of it. And the president even can't recall the pilot because the pilot is told once you've given that order, nothing should stop you. And of course, well, I the, think that movie was Failsafe starring Henry Fonda. All right. There you go. Your memory's better than mine. Yep. But yep, yep, the question yep. I is, remember the movie too. you need to have a person in the loop at some point to interrupt this, I would say. Or is that a general idea that you feel should be part of AI-powered systems? You should if you can. But there are cases where you can't. I don't know if you remember the arcade game Space Invaders, where you had all of these objects going across the screen and you were able to aim and shoot at them. But as the game progressed those objects became faster and faster, where at the end, there was no time to aim. You actually had to kind of splatter, uh, splatter shoot. And the military people talk about something called OODA. It is the process of which one responds. One needs to observe, orient, decide, and act. That's called OODA. That's an, an acronym for the first letters of the name. But if the OODA becomes too short, and it's sufficiently short where a human being can't react in that time, then I think that autonomy is probably your only option. And we do have to remember that Vladimir Putin, president of Russia, said that whoever controls AI is going to control the world. He was probably talking about both economic and uh, military sort of applications. And China is sinking $30 billion into artificial intelligence. And they have promised a goal of becoming the leader, the world leader in artificial intelligence in a number of years. And we do know from history that to remain competitive, the U.S. military needs to respond and adapt to new warfare technology. And that includes artificial intelligence. So the generals are right. We've got to make sure that the AI does what it is supposed to do. And that needs to be controlled by experts, by people with domain expertise. It needs to be controlled by testing. And uh, once that's done, you do the best you can. So it sounds like the best way, and there is artificial intelligence centers in the armed services now and at the Pentagon level. I don't think they're to the $30 billion mark, but they're spending real money. It sounds like the best approach from your standpoint is maybe apply it per weapon instead of trying to have some grand strategy, since each weapon does a different specific thing and so it needs a narrow cast piece of artificial intelligence for that specific thing. Yes. My understanding, for example, of the Aegis system that's used on warships is that it's a smorgasbord of different sorts of applications. So instead of having general applications where everything is trying to be done at the same time, the people in the Aegis system can actually choose between a number of different contingencies and operations. And it is an amalgamation, if you will, of narrow sort of artificial intelligence that still has the human in control. And what about platforms that fly, say, like the F-35, and I think they're already envisioning a pilotless version of this. And then there's different variations in pilotless. There could be autonomous as opposed to drone where there's someone flying it. They're just not sitting in it. What about that continuum? Well, I think that the drone that recently took out Soleimani is an example of that. It was a drone which which was controlled by a pilot that was far removed from the action, and the pilot observed Soleimani, 
they illuminated him with a laser and he was taken out by a Hellfire missile. But one of the areas that needs to be considered in AI and general technology is so-called electronic warfare, where we start messing with the spectrum. So imagine that Iran had the capability of detecting that communication signal and jamming it. If they had that capability, what would we do? We would either have to scrub the mission or go into an autonomous mode. For that mission, I probably don't think going into autonomous mode is probably the wisest thing to do. But these are the decisions, and these are the this is the arms race that we are still involved in. The New York Times says an automated weapons arms race is already taking place. So there is going to be this give and take and this escalation, and it needs to be responded to. Robert Marks is director of the Walter Bradley Center for Natural and Artificial Intelligence at Discovery Institute and professor of electrical and computer engineering at Baylor University. Thanks so much for joining me. Well, thank you, Tom. It was great talking to you. We'll post this interview along with a link to more information at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.